All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. <laughs> wait, what? Supreme. Wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Stop the theme. Stop the theme. Stop the theme. Keep it going. Stop the theme. Wait, you said that if you sit next to Seth Rogen, you're going to be rich like you? On the 1st of January? Yeah, yes. Yeah. If I start the year sitting next to Seth That's Rogen? That's the myth, yeah. Shit, I'm going to be rich and funny. Oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> All right. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Now, Questlove here thinking, yeah, which is which? Yeah, maybe I need to switch my seat, yeah, so I too can get rich. Roll call. Suprema, I'm just saying, Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a mess. Yeah. Been smoking way too much. Yeah. Pineapple Express. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. This is Boss Bill. Yeah. Back again, my friends. Yeah. This is the third line. Yeah. And this is the end. Roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. It's Laia. Yeah. With Seth, of course. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. This will be better than fucking a horse. Roll call. Suprema. You went to a dark place. Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. My name is Seth. Yeah. yeah, I'm feeling old. Yeah, and in New York. Yeah, I'm fucking cold. <laughs> roll call, Suprema, su- su- Suprema roll call, Suprema, Suprema roll call, Suprema, Suprema roll call, Suprema, Suprema roll call. This is how we're going to start. <laughs> this is 
Oh, now we're going to start off omen. in the year 2020. This is a bad omen. All right. Well, that's cool. It, the gods saw to it that we should have no more theme. Get to it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is uh, the newly rich, nouveau riche, <laughs> Questlove. Uh, another episode. Uh, Happy New Year. This is uh, January 1st, 2020. Everybody, Ooh. how yes. do you feel? Good. Old and cold. Yeah, old, and cold. Yeah. old and cold. How was your How was your uh, uh, holiday? <laughs> your festivities? It was old and cold. No, we had a great time, of course. Okay, so oh, great we did, can't remember. Did the checks come through? Yeah, the Hanukkah checks cleared. So cool. <laughs> I'm all actually, is well. I'm actually shocked because whenever um, any of your brethren come on the show, you're you're you always your roll call is usually geared towards. You do Jewy roll calls? Yeah. yeah, I thought about incorporating the Jewy part, but I just left it with the stoner part. You're a stoner first. I think, yeah, I was about to say, I think Stonerness I'm, I'm, and Jewiness are, are pretty, like, there's a lot of overlap. Unpaid, <laughs> unpaid Bill would not approve. <laughs> anyway, I'm your host, Questlove, uh, joined today by my croonies, uh, Laia, Boss Bill, Sugar Steve. Unpaid Bill, surprisingly, isn't here. Yeah. I yeah, he was um, going to be here. Wait, is he not coming, or is he? Did, no, we, did was, we call him? Did we let him know? We or? let him know. You know, he does plays, Sesame Streets and stuff. So oh, okay. He, he kinda, so he's chilling enough, with some Muppets. Enough bagel jokes we can make <laughs> out of. <laughs> anyway, uh, not to stall anymore, ladies and gentlemen, we have comedian, director, producer, actor, writer, uh, leading man, <laughs> cannabis connoisseur, yeah. um, also uh, uh, advocate for sleeping in the bedroom under 67 degrees. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. true. No we, will, we will, we will uh, we get into that. We're going to discuss that later. Uh, I guess uh, Philadelphia music culture man, fan, uh, yeah. boys to men in the roots. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, and, and, and hip hop head and yeah. Canadian, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Seth Rogen. Yay. Yes. <laughs> we have made it. I made it. Thank Wait, you. I got to. All right. We this this is a show of rabbit holing. So yes, let's, let's just start let's at the get beginning. In the first one. <laughs> All right, I'm a little I'm miffed. All right, yeah. so I have to explain that um, a lot of backstory. I was very fortunate. <laughs> I was very fortunate to attend uh, Seth's uh, hilarity for charity yeah. event. Um, shout out to uh, Manish and, and Mary Ellis yeah. of uh, Museum Is of Ice Cream. event. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went there, and um, the discussion of how much sleep does a person need to have a healthy pro- brain. Yeah, have a healthy brain. brain, brain and all the those theme things. was brain health. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I learned a lot. Yeah. I learned that as of lately. I'll say in the last two months, I've been back into the eight-hour range of sleeping. That's good. Because I for that. Right, because people were always like, "When do you sleep? When do you sleep?" And I was like, "Because you didn't used to sleep." You right, would just sit I was, in a chair I was for three. Hour. I was three to five hour guy, mm-hmm. and I was told that you don't even reach REM state until six hours and forty seven minutes, and for your body to heal. And you know, I'm I'm adjusting my lifestyle right now. I'm trying to get back to a healthier place. I got to do somewhere between eight to ten hours for the magic to begin. Yeah. So, but then you guys left me with. This this gem of the room has to be cold. Yeah, you sleep best if the room is freezing cold. I've heard that before. Like I've 60 before. in the 60s. Well, yeah, my girlfriend took that to heart, and now <laughs> yeah. every night. Yeah, it's cold as hell. It's been 65 degrees in the bedroom. Are you sleeping better? No. Then <laughs> you, you need another blanket. I'm, no. You need I'm, another blanket. I'm sleeping well, but it's not. 
Like I needed to be Africa hot. My wife, well, that's why you, my wife likes it much colder than me. And that's why they have heating pads. That's what we were talking about. There's, there's pads for mattresses where you can set the temperature so you can keep your side hot and her side cold. And it's something that throughout. It's like DLT. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, deep cut. Perfect. That is a deep cut. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's exactly right. But uh, no, it's fun. And I think, I, I think as men get older, they get colder. And as women get older, we they get, get hotter. We get on fire. Yeah. They're, I was they're about hotter. To say. Yeah. Me and my yeah. wife have kind of we were just talking about how we like crossed over. Like when we first started dating, <laughs> I was always hot and she was always cold, and now I'm always cold and she's always hot. And we probably had like three years where we were both the same temperature and we didn't yeah. realize how good that time was until it was gone. <laughs> no, but, uh, it, yeah. it could be really prob- problematic yeah. because I'll get up, I'll reach my limit at exactly like four seventeen AM. <laughs> And You're freezing. <laughs> Are you shivering? I'll sneak up. Wait, here, here's another. Don't you turn? Don't you put your hand on that thermostat? Do you remember? Do it. All right. You remember on Sesame Street, the the green guy in the in the in the trench coat that used to always sell Ernie like a letter. Hey, yeah. bud. Yeah. Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> he was that the guy. illicit letter dealer. <laughs> right. Him. So like his little creep music. <laughs> The creeping tiptoe music. Yes, exactly. So I'm in my own house that I pay for, (laughs) creeping, putting that shit back to like something normal, like 68, 69. I don't go below 68. That's where we've landed. My wife, Lauren, would go to this like low 60s. Over 35, you got to go to 66, bruh. For a woman. You just got to. Why? Just put on another blanket and then make it hot underneath it. You know what I'm saying? That's the goal. Think about it. What's the what's the logic behind keeping it cold, or what's the physics of well, your body? I mean, the thing is that um, your your brain is divided into two parts. There's there's the conscious brain, and the, like the conscious brain is like, hey, uh, I'm gonna go to work. I'm gonna go to work later today. I'm gonna take the subway home. Uh, I'm gonna lose weight. I'm going to ask that girl out. And then it's the subconscious, which does stuff like, I'm gonna make sure your heart's beating. Yeah. I'm gonna make sure your waist. So it's the it's the part of the your medulla brain medulla oblongata. Whoa, yeah, oblongata de vita. What do you say? And so it's actually a fish song. For, of course, and so your body has to be totally knocked out. So you get to that REM state at exactly six hours and forty five minutes. When you're that sleep, then your right side of the brain's like waking up. Like all right, he's asleep. Let's get to work. And so then that's where the fat burns. That's where, like, all the things that you want to help have happen for your life to be good, your your brain's like, all right, they're knocked out now. Now we can get to work. But yeah. the thing is, is that most of us don't get that much sleep. So No, it's fucked up. We're doing ourselves a disservice by only sleeping six to seven hours. It's terrible for you. But yeah. You didn't answer my question. <laughs> Why What's does it co- have to be cold? Probably because oh. people. It probably because it was cold it, at night. You're. You mean like before like we condi- had houses? Yeah, like it's probably like we're conditioned to sleep in colder environments. Uh, so that's. So listen. So listen. So listen. I know. So I am. Thing. So, so at this event, okay, can we just agree that this entire hour is going to be about this? Nothing no. 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 I'm kind of on your side of the fence. Why does it have to be so damn cold? No, I mean, I'm just asking. No, no, no. I'm asking. Bu- I'm, I'm. What's the scientific part of, of I don't think how coldness answer. helps? 
We, I don't know. That's what I want to know. <laughs> Google That's it. where we change the subject because y'all ain't professionals. <laughs> we don't know. I'm just going to suggest everybody hop on Google. Yeah. Google. Yeah. Okay. Why, type why, it in. And then we can continue with the episode. Anyway, yeah. let's so, talk about Seth, movies. Where are you born? <laughs> <laughs> but you do sleep better when it's cold. <laughs> and that's that's a fact. So, uh, give we don't so, need whys. Are we giving whys? We're just giving answers here. Exactly. <laughs> it's been said that completely unsubstantiated <laughs> information. No, scientists yeah. have scientists have gone on record. And said no, so. We had a doctor. He substantiated it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of believe you. Me and my curiosity. I don't know exactly. Don't ask why, man. <laughs> so you were born in Vancouver, Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh huh. Yeah. Home, home you, of the the hip hop national anthem. Wait, th- who else was Sophia Chang? I was yeah, going to ask Chang, him if he knew Sophia Chang because right, yeah. he's a Wu Tang head. Yeah, but that Sophia, episode has their manager. Yet, so. Yeah, you know Sophia. I think I've met her over the years, actually. I mean, She's like a badass well, Korean chick. She'll, yeah. she'll be on the future episode That's of great. Mm-hmm. Wallace. Anyway, uh, yeah. I, no, the Rascals are a hip hop group from Vancouver that were. They the were, Rascals! Yeah. The Rascals. They were called like. Uh, and, uh, Northern Touch. Northern Touch, yeah. Rascals, Checkmate, Cardinal, and Thrust. Did you say Cardinal <laughs> and Thrust? And Chuck Lair. How do you know this? Those, how do you know that? Very No American knows that song. I do my research before that I come That is very this good. <laughs> well, maybe you can help me. I felt Did like DMX knew it straight naturally. up steal the beat of that song for a song? I think he may have. Yeah, yeah. I, there is a DMX song uh-huh. with the exact same beat as Northern yeah. Touch. And I I think if you're Canadian, it's very jarring. But if you're, you're like, not, then you're like, oh, that's just a good beat. Oh, they still darn it, darn it. I can't. Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. You <laughs> yeah, the yeah, BT yeah. Express, <laughs> yeah. the BT Express sample that EPMD used. Ah, uh, yeah, for headbanger. EP. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. For uh, uh, um, uh, uh, you know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, Northern Touch first. Get the Bozak. No, EPMD was first, and then, then Northern Touch. Yes, maybe. And yeah. then DMX came and just took it. Wow. Um, third did you did you sample. did you know that your your hometown is also uh, what what I consider the the national anthem of hip hop? Did you know that Apache was created in Vancouver? Apache? Yes, Apa- Apache was recorded and created in Vancouver. Really? Yes, I did not know that. Yes, that's one of my favorite factoids about. That is a very good factoid. Vancouver. And the other uh, and Nardwar's from Vancouver is the other. I one. love yeah. Nardwar. Yeah, your interviews with him are great. Have you interviewed Nardwar? I've been I've been interviewed by him once. Have yeah. you ever seen a uh, a non savory Nardwar interview? Like a lot of the earlier ones where they don't oh, yes. know if he's trolling them or not. Oh yes, so I mean I grew up watching him, so I've seen like so many. Wait, you grew, how long has he been doing this? Like thirty years. Wait, how old is Nardwar? He's like 50-something. Nardwar is 50-something? Yes. I thought he was younger than me. No, there's actually an amazing Nardwar interview with Nirvana, like backstage at the PNE Forum, which is the like place in Vancouver from like 1990, like three or something. And like Courtney Love is there. And it's like a very long interview that's filmed. And throughout, it's like 40 minutes or something. Like throughout the course of it, you see Kurt Cobain like slowly realize he's a genius. And like at first, <laughs> it's this thing where it's just like, wow. Why is this fucking guy here bothering me? And then he slowly like clues into how That's amazing how he it gets is. You. Yeah, he totally does. No, but I've seen because now people know who he is. Like, right. Uh, right. but for years I would watch interviews where famous musicians would just get interviewed by him and be like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And even still, some people don't. I get feel like, like don't get it. I feel like who, people. Uh, yeah. All right, so. That Jay-Z interview. The Jay-Z didn't seem to appreciate Nardwar. No, no, I warned him about it. (laughs) I begged him to do it. And then Pharrell doubled down. Yeah. So he did it. 
Because if we say it's a thing, yeah. then Jay Z is just one of them FOMO. I don't want to miss out. Yeah, he's got. You got to. He do don't it. know Questlove Supreme. <laughs> it's a thing. thing. <laughs> You're, well, you know. Yeah. Well. Anyway, 2020. Um, and so, but I, I'll say that the first time he interviewed me, I was paranoid because he just yeah. knew way. Oh, it's weird. Too much information. Yes, he knew shit about me that was. He brought out your high school shocking. yearbooks. Yeah, he had my high school <laughs> yearbooks. Literally, he like knew people. He he knew names that I hadn't heard in like yeah, twenty five years. Like, brought like, a bag from the shop that your mom used to work. Yes, at? literally. <laughs> that I, and it's, uh, yeah, it's totally crazy. It he, would freak he, me he, out. It too. was super fucking freaky. But his knowledge is. Bizarre. He's always trying to get to Kanye. He's like, that's his holy grail. He like emails me and yeah. texts me all oh, the time. Oh, you too? Always. I'm not alone? Not at all. Yes. I, I, ooh, like, I can see that going very yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> he somehow thinks that I have the magic touch to get him to the Obamas. Wow, I would. That's a good like, yeah. so He's honored. coming to me for Kanye, so that's, yeah, that's a, that's a big step in a much better direction. <laughs> I, read, I read somewhere somebody said online that. Uh, that when you get to the pearly gates of heaven, it's Nardwar. That, that's yeah, re- <laughs> just telling that's you everything. He's, 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 he's the one that's reviewing your entire Hello life. There. <laughs> so speaking of your hometown, yeah. are you? Is every time I ask anybody from Vancouver, yeah, are are you uh, knowledgeable of the La Casa Gelato, or is that just for tourist suckers like me? It's the place that has. They didn't pay for like that plug. Fat, like hundreds of flavors of gelato. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's near. Uh, it's on like the like north end of kind of the east side of Vancouver. Or it's my like favorite that. place ever. I might. It's not somewhere I like grew up going, but it's somewhere that I've so, heard of it. <laughs> so again, it's made for tourist suckers. I think it might be kind of a tourist. You never try like balsamic vinegar ice yeah, cream. Yeah, that's right. Or... I've heard. Yeah, it was one of the first places to start doing like weird flavors or shit like that. Yeah, yeah. they have it's cheddar like cheese. Jenny's. Yeah, no. basically Jenny's. No. Cheddar yeah. cheese ice cream. No. They had like a tobacco one or something like that. I <laughs> think, for a while. Yeah. Well, which was I mean, gross. some of the, some of the weird ones I liked. Like they yeah. had black pepper vanilla. That's and... weird. How is cheddar cheese? I bet that's um, good. Well, that's the thing. You. You basically you sample all the weird ones and yeah. then you get the rocky road that yeah, you came exactly. in for. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's a purely like North American thing is sampling ice cream like uh, what I oh it's considered rude. <laughs> well, I was in Italy and uh, not to brag, no, but I was in, <laughs> I was in Italy in a gelato shop and there was like a rush of Americans left and me and my wife were the only people in the restaurant and the woman behind the counter like very quietly looked at us and goes, "Can I ask you a question?" We're like, "Yeah." She goes. How come American always ask to taste everything? Wow. <laughs> and she's like, what is this? Like, nowhere else. You ask to taste everything. And I was like, you're right. When you put it like that, it is pretty fucking weird. Like, nowhere else you'd be like, can I try that sandwich? Can I have a piece Make of that? Some yeah, exactly. Baskin yeah. and Robbins. That's what I said. I said, I, said yeah. I think it all roots back to this one place, Baskin yeah. Robbins, where they encourage people to do it. And that ruined, that ruined still, ice cream all over yeah. the fucking Are they still a thing? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I know that yeah. the sun. You are inherited. so cute. What? <laughs> you said, are they still a thing? I'm like, yeah, they combine with Dunkin' well, Donuts. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, they're in but like subways. A, yeah, they're, but that's the thing, though. Yeah. Are they I just... Know that, I know that the sun inherited um, the empire. And because, you know, like, generations are the opposites of what their parents yeah, yeah, were. Yeah. Right. The sun wasn't like, you know, he, he, he didn't... He was concerned about the cows they were using, and <laughs> no, wanted free yeah, range. No, yeah, wanted oh, good wow. cows. And so instead, he took the family money and did this expose on how like ice cream companies are 
ruining cows oh, and wow. the environment wow. and all this thing. It's like ice cream succession. So they, <laughs> yes, exactly. Not Ben and Jerry. That's crazy. So, no, 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 not Ben and Jerry. A basket of Robins. I know, I was just saying yeah. the ice cream industry. Which yeah, probably explains why they had to partner with, with Dunkin' Donuts. KFC. Dunkin Donuts, yeah, Dunkin' Donuts. KFC, Basket <laughs> Robins like or whatever. The, but that margarita flavor still there is good. They have margarita ice cream? They have a margarita flavor. They've wow. had it forever. Really wow. Good to condition children that. at a young age to develop a taste <laughs> for margaritas. <laughs> so 20 minutes so, so twenty minutes into this interview, let's start. Uh, Seth. <laughs> um, so you being born in, in the early 80s in yeah. Vancouver, uh-huh. um, what, was the, what was your environment like in your uh, household? My household, um, I lived uh, on the east side of Vancouver, which uh, in like a 100% uh, like East Indian neighborhood. Okay. Um, so it was uh, it was great. It was like uh, I would walk around a lot. I was just arguing with my parents. Their memory was that I never walked around alone, and I definitively did all the time. Um, <laughs> and would take the bus all around the city. Um, but uh, yeah, but I went to school on the west side. I grew up, uh, I started doing stand-up when I I was young, like 12 or 13, and I would started writing around then, too, and I smoked weed a lot. And so, <laughs> so the, Not so, much has changed in my life since I was 12. I hate to... <laughs> so jealous. So, so the, myth, the myth of Superbad and you crafting this at such a young age is... 100% Actual, true. factual? Yes, for, for sure. Yeah. Me and my partner, Evan, who I still work with, uh, met in bar mitzvah class when we were 12 and then started writing together... Not long after that. And we had, yeah, we probably finished a draft of Superbad when we were like 14 or 15. Wow. For you the did a complete time. draft? Yeah, by then. It, but we started when we were like 13. And there is some, and it's like, it's one of those things where it's almost sad that like, I'm not that much smarter or funnier than I was when <laughs> I was 13 years old. Because there are some jokes in the movie that like, we wrote when we were 13 wow. that are still in the movie, or that are in the movie, that like... That held up and that are still, yeah, you'd like to think you got better in that amount of time. So at 14, your, your script looked like a professional. I'm trying to yeah, figure I out how you guys I made, knew. I yeah. asked my mom to buy me Final Draft, which wow. was the script writing software, and she did. My parents were, like, super supportive because I also did stand-up, so they saw that, like, I would work hard, you know what I mean? So this is 96. Um, yeah, this is probably 95 or 96 or something like that. Yeah, 95, I would say, 96, yeah. Like, all right, I'm curious, and this leads back to yeah. the conscious, subconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When your subconscious is convinced of, of something, yeah. then your body does it, which, yeah. is, which explains why, you know, Kanye uses outward affirmations. I am the greatest. Yes. I am the, and then it, everything happens for him, the same way with Trump. Yeah. Same way with Diddy. The same way with Jay. Remember they remixed it and called it The Secret? I have yeah. $6 million in my bank account right now. I have $6 million in my bank account right now. I have $6 million in my bank account right now. I have $6 million in my bank account right now. Right now. So right I'm curious what what inside you gave you the, the balls to even be like, yo, let's write a movie now. Like It didn't even start with like, let's start with community theater. Or, yeah. Hey, how do you do this? Or did you see a movie one day and it's like, I could do better than this? Literally, shit. that's what happened. 
Like what and, movie did you see that set you off? I can't remember. And we argued over Pulp Fiction, it. Didn't you? We loved no. Pulp Fiction, oh. and that was like <laughs> no, like that was something. I had a Pulp Fiction poster on my bedroom door, like throughout. If you were, if you were a teenager <laughs> in the '90s, you had a yeah. Pulp Fiction I mean, poster that came out in '94, yeah. maybe I was 12, yeah. so we saw it around then, and ah. it was um, it was also the era of like independent. It was like the resurgence of this independent film, like yeah, uh, Kevin Clerks Smith. came yeah, out yeah. around Clerks then, and, and Rushmore and Wes yeah. Anderson and Bottle Rocket. So there. Was you saw all those films? Oh, yeah. We were obsessed with them. And it's also one of those things that was – my parents loved movies, and my, my they were just huge movie fans, so they would, like, watch a lot of movies and collect movies. Vancouver, they made some stuff there. So it, it, it's not like Hollywood, but, like, you would see – movie sets around and mm-hmm. so there was like it wasn't this like completely unobtainable thing and then in high school our high school was right across the street from two video store like uh giant video stores and we would rent movies like we watched all we would do is like smoke weed and watch movies basically <laughs> and it and when you watch enough movies you start to think maybe we could do this and if we write something that's like cheap then maybe that was always the thought was like it was said in high school super bad and we were like worst comes to worst like this becomes something we like we made movies with like our like you know we had a video camera we were like we could technically make this ourselves if we wanted to you know what uh, what was yeah. your north star in terms of uh okay so now now it's just yeah. hitting me that because i had family that worked at an independent movie theater yeah. back in 91 92 so I always had free tickets uh, but, you know, we're seeing El Marachi. We're seeing, like, all these yeah. indie films, which, I mean, at the time I didn't realize it, but it was grooming me to gear towards art house stuff yeah, as totally. opposed to mainstream stuff. But for you, what were your what, – uh, were you a film snob or were you just like, yo, I got porgies and hot dog? Yeah. <laughs> no, we <laughs> you were like – hot dog, the, the ski movie? <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. I saw hot dog. I liked all the those ski movies. Tweet. Do you remember yeah. Hamburger, the motion picture? Yeah, Hamburger. <laughs> Hamburger. Put hamburger. those cookies back, motherfucker. <laughs> was there a hamburger movie? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I got to see it. Oh, it was amazing. On Shout um, TV, there's a specific, like, C movie yeah. VHS yeah. section. Anything oh. that was on HBO late night in, like, we the, would, in yeah. the mid-80s. Oh, yeah. we would just rent movies based on what the cover of the box looked the like. Garbage pail Anybody the Garbage Pail Kids. Anybody can find the Garbage Pail Kids Well, it's funny. This, uh, this Dolomite <gasps> movie just came out. I haven't watched yeah. it yet. But awesome. we, were obs- we were obsessed with Dolomite because, like, it was one of those movies that, like, sh- purely Based on the cover, on the cover, we were like, "What is this?" We did, we, like, we did the same. We did the same yeah. thing. Like every Friday night, we would all meet up at this Mexican restaurant in town, yeah. and then we would all like caravan over to the video store, argue for about a half an hour about what video we're going to pick out. Yeah. Oh, and, we would argue for hours. Yeah, we'd yeah. spend more time in the video store yeah. than we would yeah. watching the yeah. movies we rented at the video. Like that like, was the activity like, was going to the video store yeah, and deciding argue, like, we to would, argue we, over a what movie. we did. We, yeah. we called it tasteless movie night. We would try to find the most tasteless movie we could find in the video store. Perfect. Yeah, and we would just go to my friend Darren's basement and watch it and just. Like it was commentary. It was perfect commentary. Yeah. <laughs> no weed involved. I'm sure if there had been, well, it was, his mom was a teacher, so that would never. Yeah. <laughs> so, what were your go-to films? Uh, well, I think it's like one thing I look at is like the the movies. It's obviously something I've thought about. You know, is like the movies my parents owned. Like they owned like forty movies on like VHS that they would like. There was like three movies to a VHS. They would like mm-hmm. tape them off TV yes. when they came on. And like, would you ever watch them? I yeah. did oh, yeah. all the time. Oh, you and, did? and those did, yeah. movies are like cemented in my brain. I know yeah. every word to every one all of them. Of me. And I also bet that if I like made a list of all those movies, they like. 
directly correlate to the movies that I've made huh. since then, basically. Come like on, it, one, one, one. Well, it's one. like Ghostbusters okay. they, uh, and movies like that. My dad loved Bill Murray. Um, they also loved like Woody Allen and like Independent. Like they like they had like Hannah and her sisters and like right. Annie Hall and movies like that. And I would watch those movies a lot. And then. They had like Albert Brooks movies, and my dad loved Billy Crystal, and so like it was a lot of that stuff. And my mom though loved action movies, and so we had like Die Hard and Total Recall and um, like Under Siege. I remember we had like right <laughs> yeah. when it came out, and Lethal Weapon was like is like one yeah. of my mom's favorite yeah, movies, yeah. and so. I would watch these like emotionally driven kind of comedy drama movies and like the most violent, insane action <laughs> movies. And that's kind of this a lot the of end. the stuff we make now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is I, the see. End. <laughs> um, I see. Yeah, and, and so all those movies like we loved. And then when yeah, and then when Pulp Fiction and those movies started to come out, we became obsessed in Reservoir Dogs we loved and like um, and then we got really into Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson's early movies, like mm-hmm. Army of Darkness. We watched over and over and over again, and Dead Alive. We watched we watched a lot, and like, uh, yeah. And then to see those guys go on, that was another thing. Is like you'd see like, oh, like Sam Raimi's directing Spider Man, and like these guys who like we were already fans of for making like the weirdest shit ever. Now doing were it. then crossing over and becoming really successful, and I think uh, making big things, and that was also I think something we always liked, and and that was interesting to us. But uh, no, we I mean we just like devoured. Movies. Did Vancouver have much of a social or nightlife? Because I'm almost, I'm almost sort thinking, of. I'm thinking that Vancouver is almost like. All right, what Minneapolis was to print. Yeah. And how there was a scene there, but because there's not much to do. Yes. He had a lot of time to hone his craft yes. and just do music. A lot, yes. Vancouver. And the weather also determines yeah. you're Van- staying in. And- Vancouver's a city where people sit, like, go to someone's house and smoke weed. That's like the activity. Wow. Clearly, that was yes. your experience. No, that <laughs> doesn't is, mean that. No, that is like what people do there. Or and when it's nice out, you go to a na- na- a nature place and smoke weed. It's like a very like a weed was like super prevalent and like it's a huge. It's like one of the most progressive cities in the world when it comes to weed. Even and, in uh, your child, the nineties, a hundred percent. So you so never been arrested for. The right when I moved to LA, I got arrested because I didn't understand how much more strict it was uh, than it was in Vancouver. Like all throughout uh-huh. high school, if we got caught with weed, the cops wouldn't would just take it. No, they wouldn't even always take it. They would just be like, "Go away!" Like, like it, it was such uh-huh. low on prior like uh, on uh, on the priorities because Vancouver had like a terrible terrible heroin problem uh-huh. and it was like had a really rough uh, drug problem and so weed very early on became deprioritized and decriminalized. And from when I was a kid, there was a coffee shop you could go smoke weed in and there was like um, indoor, like places you go inside and smoke weed and they so let you. So Seth, you never yeah. known weed with seeds, huh? I, d- I have. <laughs> I, but yeah, when I first moved to LA, we'd buy pounds of Mexican weed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, Virgin here, what does that mean? It means lots of seeds in yeah. your weed. Yeah, yeah. and it, you, I mean, these days it's, it's Reggie. So yeah. it's reg- we call it Reggie, regular <laughs> yeah. weed. But to me, if Seth's been, if Vancouver's been in the hierarchy of the weed game, yeah. I would just assume that, like, you're, and you're at a certain We always age. had good, like, hydroponic You don't, you don't want right. to smoke the seeds because you don't. Gonna, it takes your, it's, it's, that's a sterile part, too. Yeah, yeah. Sterile. Wait, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. That's what it's <laughs> <talking about. laughs> 
Time out, time out, time out, time out. I don't know if there's science behind Steve, that. Steve, where are you? Wait, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Why is it taking three years for me to real? Wait, how are you just going to let Laia come here and drink your milkshake? Right. All of our parents smoke weed with seeds in them. And we stole them. We had to pick them out. Remember? And, they, and it pops and it burns the seeds. It burns yeah. the seeds. It's leather. Yeah. So yeah. you got to be careful. True. They fall, it falls out of the joint sometimes. Yeah. My dad's a culprit all the time. Like, God damn, daddy. You're always smoking in your car. Look at them hoes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Daddy. I did Snitch. not know that. <laughs> Can we go mad? Stop snitching, yeah. <laughs> Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling. Uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. You started stand up at a young age. Yeah. 14? 
Yeah, 13 or 14. Okay, like so the only person I know that had the experience was Chappelle. Yeah. How? I think Eddie Murphy started around that age. Yeah, so how They're do you, much better than how do you <laughs> <laughs> How do you even negotiate your way into a club? Uh, yeah. Um my mom helped. <laughs> she would talk to she drove me to every show literally cuz I couldn't drive. Uh and um yeah, and what's funny is very early on it's one of those like happy coincidences. I did a show that I did a fundraiser when I was like 14, a small one that the premier who's like the governor kind of mm-hmm. of British Columbia was at. And my mother cornered him and was like, if my son's performing at a bar, can he be in the bar? And the guy was like, legally, yes. And she got his office to send a letter wow. saying that as long as I was performing, it is legal for me to be in the premises. And I, and I would have to leave right after. So like I would, sit backstage and I would show it to the club there was only like four clubs anyway but once they had all seen it they would let me perform there and and then I performed like regularly and I was like I was like pretty good like I wasn't what was the check like at that age did you get a check every once in a while I would like open for a comic and I'd get like 150 bucks or nice. something like that right. which when you're yeah. fucking but did you use your, is like fantastic did you use your your kid them did you use your youth? I tried not to. I, I tried to. I would talk. Well, at first I didn't at all. And I, because I was so self-conscious about being like gimmicky that I would try to tell Wait, you're jokes. You're 14. Who I thinks like a neurotic <laughs> I adult? Yes, I was very neurotic. <laughs> and I didn't want to be like the kid comic. So I tried to write jokes that, that any comic would write that were like more like observational humor. But it was. Were you blue? I wasn't. I always wanted first. to ask a comic. Yeah, exactly. Were you a blue comic? You were blue. Uh, <laughs> I didn't actually at first at all. Also, but then I remember this comic Daryl Lennox, who still does stand up, and he's great. Um, uh, he was like, I, I was telling like ob- I, like uh, all the comics would make fun of me because I had a joke about like crazy glue. What's so crazy about it? And it was like the dumbest like <laughs> observational <laughs> humor of all time. And then and then Daryl, I remember like sat me down and I was like 15 and he was like, dude, like you are the only one of us who's like experiencing all these things like in real time. Like you're trying to kiss girls for the first time. You're trying to get your driver's license. You're trying to buy beer. You're trying to go to parties. You're trying to sneak in a strip clubs like write jokes about that like that's something that like everyone's gone through in some way and you're living it like right now Mm -hmm. and and i was like okay and then that was also one of the things that really influenced super bad where at first it was more like let's write a high school movie and then we were like no let's write like whenever something happens to us let's put it in the movie and let's make us the characters in the movie and let's like structure it around so that. those things happen to you guys in Superbet? not all in one night but almost all a lot of the stuff in the movie happened wow. yeah uh like in some <laughs> form or another like and every so you grinded up against the girl and that sp- happened at a school dance yeah that 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 actually <laughs> and in real life i was one of the guy like it played out almost verbatim as it did in the movie except one of our friends was the joda character in real life and i was one of the guys who was like what is that like what on your leg there, and uh, and, that's what, and and that's what happened. And, and so yeah, it was a school dance, and we all put our stuff in like the locker room, in like the gym locker room, like before, and we were getting it after the dance, and. 
Yeah, and like one of our friends was like, "Did you spill on yourself?" And then we were there, like looking at it. And then, and then what happened? And we kind of allude to this in the movie is we noticed on the other side of the locker room there was another group of guys having the exact same conversation, <laughs> and they were all like looking at their friend's leg, poking at it, being like, "What is that? Did you spill? Did someone cut themselves?" And then like oh, the man. two groups like locked eyes from across the room, and it was like this Kaiser Soze moment where it was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I, 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 I think. We're we have a situation <laughs> on our hands. Um, and then there was a lot of like cross-referencing who they had danced with. Right. Uh, and wait, I, I got a preface for yeah. the two people <laughs> who, who haven't seen who not seen yeah. Super Bad. Yes. There's there's a crucial scene where um, there's a dance sort of grindy dance moment in which a girl rubs yes, uh, her crotch on Jonah Hill's. I think it's pronounced cooch. Thigh. Yeah, cooch. Oh, cro- I, I forgot. Yeah, no, the cooch is inside the crotch. Maybe it's inside. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and, um, unbeknownst to Jonah Hill, his his thighs or his jeans are now maroon five. Yes, obviously <laughs> they, they, they got period blood. They're bloody. They're period blood. Uh, it right. happens. Yeah, oh wait, it's... you're just getting that now? I just remember. I thought he, I couldn't remember if he had came on himself or hit the period. <laughs> so now, yeah, 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 yeah. Also on the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. The way y'all was talking about it. it no, that was in long shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Almost. In long shot. Dang. You know, also a joke. With you know, you. my fav- my favorite thing about. I'd, I'd visit uh, a lot of local comedy houses in New York. Yeah. My favorite thing is actually watching uh, people bomb yeah. or oh. fail. Oh, no, no, no. Only because, like, now I'm entering the stage of my life where I'm going to have to give a lot more public addressing. Yeah. And it's always how you handle yourself in that moment. Yeah. That separates the men from the boys. And yeah. So <laughs> a lot of times, like, if you watch, if you go to... Like I love going to uh, the store in LA when it's the like the one AM show, yeah. the very last show, and usually like the last three peoples are always like the doorman, yeah. the the bell guy. Like okay, I'll let you go up and do five minutes. Like everyone's left the room. Yeah, I performed there at that time when I was like sixteen years old. Because right. <laughs> I, I feel in my mind that whenever I'm watching them, then I believe at one point either not Gerard Carmichael. Who's the guy that I liked? Um, oh, America's uh, Jamar Neighbors. Jamar Neighbors. Yeah, Jamar Neighbors was, was one of those guys, and he's hilarious. Yeah. Like he's one of Gerard Carmichael's dudes. But like, it's always the last three people on the late the graveyard shift that I love watching them the most to see how they adjust to it. Yeah. Have you, when you were in sort of developing your skills or whatnot, have you ever had to resort to what they would call the uh, What's the syndrome, uh, like aristocrat syndrome, or when you know that you've done a bad set and yes. you just gotta you're just performing for your buds? Like, okay, yeah. I fucked up and always did everyone do the aristocrats, or was it another thing where I never did that specifically? But there was, I mean, yeah, shit would go bad, and there was, <laughs> and there would be times, yeah, where you would just kind of throw it all out, and it, it was like. Uh, yeah, like I think managing the audience's discomfort is something that is a lesson that I learned at a young age and that like 
you can carry with you across many <laughs> different avenues yeah, of life. Yeah. And I think that that's something that is very valuable. And I did it. Yeah, I remember doing – my friends could never come watch me, though, because I was a kid and they weren't allowed into the club. Oh, so okay. it was always strangers. But I had times when just group tables full of adults would get up and leave. It was terrible. Um, and they, I remember performing the improv. I remember coming to L.A. to audition for the Just for Last Festival when I was like 15 and going to the improv. And Jerry Seinfeld decided to drop in – at the Just for Laughs ah. stand-up comedy showcase, went on right before me, <laughs> fucking annihilated. Left. Do you guys hate when that happens? Like when yes. the big when the big star comes in <laughs> yes. and is like, "Hey, I want to practice that uh, thirty for a minutes comedy show." Yes, on a fucking showcase. Did you like ever get it. to tell Jerry what he did to you? Yes, he will, could not have been more indifferent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I went up after him, and I literally like to this day remember standing on the stage. And and it being so quiet, oh. I could hear the electric hum of the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could, and, and, I had never, and I'd been doing stand-up for years at that point, and I had never heard that sound. I remember like thinking to myself, like, wow, like have the speakers always been making that sound, and I just haven't heard it? Or do these ones have like a particularly loud <laughs> hum to them? But I just remember hearing like, I was like, oh, that's a new one. Uh, yeah, it was brutal. So, <laughs> at, at the time... I didn't get into the Just for Last Festival. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Damn so, it, Jerry. Yes. <laughs> could you explain how you got inside of the, I guess, the, the mafia of the, what I call the Aptal... The Aptal Mafia. The Aptal <laughs> Mafia. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was all... I, I, I was doing stand-up, and I got an agent through stand-up, and I was like... 16 or 17 and so high school was like gonna end and I like was not gonna go to college so I was like I should I need money <laughs> so <laughs> I should start trying to audition for things and my like plan in, if you ask me at that point what my plan was I'll be like oh I'll move to LA after high school and I'll try to do stand up and so you wanted to be a straight up stand up comic yeah and then I thought maybe I'll get like on like a sitcom that was kind of like the only precedent of that in that time that was like the thing that seemed the most achievable because it was like Seinfeld was on Martin. and like everybody loves Raymond yeah. and Martin. Like that, like at the time, it seemed like if you were a successful stand up, you got a sitcom. And I always liked movies more. And mm -hmm. so that was always something that I like wanted, but it wasn't as like, it didn't seem, it seemed like the types of movies I wanted to make at that time, especially were like very small independent movies. And at that time, Superbad seemed like it would be like, like Rushmore, you know what I mean? Like, not in its artfulness, but just in its scope, you know? Um, and I think that then I moved, so I, I auditioned for Freaks and Geeks. It was the second audition I, I got out, sent out on, and they auditioned kids out of Vancouver. Like, they did international... Wait, oh, you all were from Vancouver? No, they did international searching. Oh, 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 so okay. they auditioned in New York and Chicago and Boston and Toronto and, and Vancouver. And I, like, I went in for an audition one morning in Vancouver, and... And then I got it. And then I moved to L.A. and uh, I, I, like, I worked with the same it. people. I watched, <laughs> I watched that show in the first one. Don't let people – I know people now like to revision it like, yo, man, yeah. Freaks and Geeks with my shit, man. You're like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, if it was, then yeah. why, why <laughs> didn't we get a second season? Right. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I watched it because during the time of us recording uh, Do You Want More, yeah. there was always a TV on the break room. Yeah. So that's how I remember Freaks and Geeks. That was my favorite. I thought, oh man, this is way better than my so called life or yeah. Wonder Years. Like, damn, I was just thinking about that as he was talking. That's some shit I can get with. Yeah. Like, were you 
excited of the cr- the critical claim it got, and did you? I I, I had no. Like I was like a 17-year-old pothead <laughs> from Vancouver who like I had no concept of any of that shit. Like I remember people being like this So show, you weren't a businessman yet? And- I just didn't I think I was so um I was <laughs> I was really confident and I felt like everything like when someone's like your everyone loves your show like it has 100% good reviews I was like yeah it's fucking great like like <laughs> it, it wasn't like really it was like of course we're putting out great shit like there's nothing like this on TV like uh, of course everyone like and if anything that made it more frustrating that no one was watching it cuz like we knew it was good and that's something I look back on and think like I didn't even think of the quality of the show when I went and did it like I it could have been the worst like I was just like a job I'll take it and then I remember getting to LA and to shoot the pilot and it wasn't even until then that I got the full script like the day before we started filming and then I remember reading it and being like oh there's like jokes about shrooms in here and shit like that and then we rehearsed for one day and they were like what would you say here and then all of a sudden we were improvising and they were letting us add jokes about Hitler and all this stuff. And we were like, (laughs) this is really different. And then when we started shooting it, we were like, again, like the director was from the independent film world. Jake Kasdan had just made zero effect, which was a movie I was a big fan of. So it was like, Oh yeah, we have like these writers and, and directors who are like doing the exact stuff that I liked. So when it turned out, Great. It was like, again, I was so, I, I was really like spoiled at, at that time because I was just like, yeah, you make something. It turns I'm so out glad you perfect. know. Like, so you weren't putting like two I'm and two together you know. like, oh, the creator of the Larry right. Sanders show has this new I, empire. I knew that, but I didn't, I, again, I didn't realize, I think, how like, I didn't realize, A, how just because you did something good before doesn't mean you'll keep doing things that everyone appreciates. <laughs> like, I was a fan of the Larry Sanders show, a huge fan, um, and grew up watching it. And, um, but I didn't, like, I, I think when I took the, when I first got cast on the show, I had no idea Judd had even, I didn't know Judd, who I, I Judd, didn't know who what Judd, a Judd was. was right. I didn't know Judd worked on the Larry Sanders show. There was no IMDb at this time. Like, right. there was no way to look up. <laughs> oh, you did that? Who oh, okay. you were working with, even. Yeah. Like, I had no idea. The internet, yeah, there was no, like, or, maybe there was IMDb, but I didn't know how to use it. Yeah, there was no, like, organized way of checking any of that shit. This is like, um, what, and did James Franco didn't even hit the soap shit, right? Like, this um, is. No, it was like, no one had done anything. Right. And so, yeah, it was, but then it started airing as we were shooting, and then they just were like, no one's watching this shit. And it was on Saturday night at 8 or some shit like that against cops. I remember Judd, like, <laughs> joking, like, cops beats us, we're fucked. And they, <laughs> cops beat us. And he was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so were you gun shy about undeclared? Um, no, because again, I was. 18. Or did you feel like okay, well, we'll we'll do a better version? Yeah, I was like, yeah, of I was, I was like oh, this time we'll do like a more commercial version, and we kind of work out the kinks. And like again, it was like the exact same thing happened, where it was like very critically acclaimed, and then no one watched it. <laughs> but but that but I was I was thrilled, honestly. Like I was a writer and an actor on Undeclared. I was eighteen years old. Like it was, um, you know, it was like a very exciting thing for me to be doing. So. uh how, was, yeah. how hard is it living hand to mouth in that period? Because I always, always. Were you? Well, no, I always feel like. Because he never had a. Re- did you ever have a regular job or anything? Well, no, I. After Undeclared, I didn't work for like three or four years, basically. What did you do? I fucking spent very little money. <laughs> <laughs> but you still never had to work at Pizza Hut or be a server or No, no. I would help. Um, 
Judd was very nice, and he would get these super high-priced rewriting jobs, and then he would give me a little Share money the... to help him do it. So, like, I helped rewrite Bad Boys 2 as an what? example. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. <laughs> Wait, time out. First of all, Judd Apatow. Yes. Rewrote... So it was like a secret thing. We wrote that joke in the, that was in the trailer where they're singing the song, and they for, forget the word. They, like, don't know the words. Bad Boys. Like, Muhammad, I mean, am Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, it was like, yeah, we, that was one of the many things we did. So maintenance like, work. Yeah, maintenance work. Ooh, so what wait, else did you do? Wait, <laughs> Little things here and there, like, uh, one of the big Mama's House movies I helped on for a few days, I think. Stop, 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 Wait, so stop, in this moment, because I, I was fighting saying this because I know my whole family going to get mad at me, but in this moment, are you understanding your white funny man privilege? Because you know that you are like, you, like, this is, a, seriously, this is serious question like nobody else if you hear the struggles of other comedians and things of other colors women there is never a moment where they haven't had to like serve or do something that they didn't want to do but it seems like since you were 14 years old yeah you was on it you needed final draft you had it you needed the camera you had it you like this is at any moment did you realize this i was super yes i I was uh, i i was very yeah i was never felt particularly downtrodden Um, (laughs) i was very i felt lucky i was very i always felt lucky and was very fortunate and like and and got that yeah i mean there was a time when i was maybe gonna like but there was a moment where i was like i might have to move back to vancouver because i was just running out of money and couldn't afford to live in la anymore and that's when I got hired on the Ali G show and that like continued that like shut it down. Yeah, it was like that. a great it was like a great job to have because like it, it was even it was like it sounded great in a room. <laughs> like right. it was like when we went on meetings and we were like, Oh, we we got nominated HBO, for right? yeah, yeah. We, we got nominated for Emmys. That was yeah. great. Like it, it was something that like Basically, I haven't stopped working since that. It was like uh, that was like the thing that kind of kept me going. Because his because his brand of comedy, Sasha Baron Cornyn, because he's such a rogue, yeah, kind of artsy comedian. How do you find his voice? Like, how do you? It was like, and the type of stuff he does is more trolling. It was kind of. Uh, it was hard, it, and I think he liked, and I think it was good that we were so young and malleable at this time when we were working for him. Like, we were like 22 or something like that, and so like he could really, I think, without some of like the kid gloves you would use with older people being like, here's what you have to do, here's what we do, do exactly fucking this and nothing else, wow. forget everything you know, just do this. <laughs> so he likes young like, energy and... Yeah, and, and, and he would literally lock us in a room and be like, write 200 interview questions for me to be interviewing like uh, an environmentalist in a tree, like... And and like, don't come out of that room till you've written me two hundred questions. For like, all of his characters, um, for both of his, well, he did. Yeah, we few came characters. on for Bruno. We and then we went on the road with him. We went to spring break. We did all the spring break stuff with Bruno. What was that like? It was insane. <laughs> um, he almost got killed. Many yeah, I was going to say yeah. like, <laughs> what happens when <laughs> you go to uh, like Daytona uh, Beach? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was crazy. What's funny is I had to kind of hide because I was not famous, but I was like. One in every hundred people knew me from Freaks and Geeks. Right. And 
So I was kind of had to like I was like relegated to the hotel room because like <laughs> they were he was just like the chance that someone sees you and puts two and two together is like too great. So like we would travel from city to city and me and Evan would literally just sit in a hotel room in whatever city we were in and like And they, pray they come back alive. Yeah, exactly. And they and then they would come back and they would show us the footage of what they had done that day and we would all just laugh hysterically and be amazed that they hadn't gotten killed and like it was uh it was fun. Yeah, it was great. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right. So I I have so many questions <laughs> about your movies, but I'm afraid we'll just get stuck in one of them. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> but, uh, in the end. This is it. I mean, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Well, I mean, there's so many. But I'd, I'll say that for, you know, 40-Year-Old Virgin was, to me, like, how how much input are you given – for scripts, or how open is Judd to having you guys adjust the comedy? Because really the way open. that it looked, it almost seemed like, oh, this got to be on the spot, and he just said, keep the cameras rolling. And- A lot of it was improvised. Yeah, I was, I would say, like, because Superbad had been written, and no one would make it. And same with Pineapple Express. So you were still shopping it actively? Yes. And me and Evan, and my uh, especially because Evan was in college at the time or, and wasn't there all the time, I, like, I was always like, people want to see a movie where people talk like this. Like, more than anything, that's what I had a strong feeling of, was, like, they want a comedy where people, where it's conversational and not so, like, plucky and jokey, and mm-hmm. it just feels like people talking, and they're swearing a lot, and, and, and like, it's like taking... Like, again, because we grew up loving Pulp Fiction and Clerks, and we were just like, if you can really gear that towards, like, comedy in, like, a, in a great way. And and since no one would make super bad, Judd, like, and me and him together thought that if we could make these, the guys who work in the store, kind of be almost like a, it's, it was almost like a weird testing ground for, like, that type of conversational comedy. Whereas Carell's character was this like sweet kind of like island in the middle of the movie. We were mm-hmm. like, if we can make these guys, like why don't we try this where we improvise and have it be very conversational and you guys can swear a lot and say all the sick shit you say to each other that makes each other laugh behind the scenes, but we never say it on camera because right. always like that's too much or that's too crazy or people won't like that but we were like what if we do that on camera you know um, and that was really like the first time that any of us had done that I think like um, it, it was they had done Anchorman where it was it was different though because the movie is tonally not real so mm-hmm. like it's not they improvised a lot but it, it wasn't like actual conversations because there's it's like under this umbrella of like a false reality you right. know um but this was the first time where it was literally like you can just say whatever you think you would say in this situation and there's no rating like and we had never played in that environment before, and it was Dangerous. really the first time where we were all like, "Oh, we can really let it rip." And I remember the I I had improvised that thing about going to Tijuana and like seeing a woman fucking a horse, and it's like it's like he, he comes into the or he comes. It's like Carell comes into work and he explains making an egg salad sandwich and he's like what'd you do this weekend and I'm like oh I went to Tijuana we went to see uh, this woman fuck a horse and like it was not that cool like it was kind of gross um, and 
And I remember like, and, and it was like pretty, it was like on the scale of like the types of things people were saying in movies at that time on like the very far end of the yeah. spectrum. Which, is, and, which um, is why I asked you about the aristocrats yeah, thing. Exactly. Like, how, like, how often do you yeah, aristocrat it? Yeah, we, and so that, and we were just making each other laugh. And I remember before the first screening, we were like, if people, like if that works, then like, then we're fine. Like then all these instincts we have of like what people want might be right. And I remember like, it was like, uh, like I'll ne- like that moment was like a life changing moment in many ways. Like sitting in the theater when that part came on for the first time and seeing the audience just like Die. explode in laughter right. and like, you could see it was just like mm. shocking to them, but <laughs> also funny and also felt kind of real. And I remember so many people come up to me after the movie came out and be like, you remind me so much of a guy I used to work with. Or you remind me so much of this weirdo who was in the back room at this place I would go to. And like, and, and, and you could see that we were kind of like tapping into this like relatable uh, form of comedy that people – you know, at that time, it was like Dumb and Dumber, which I love. Like, it's one of my favorite movies ever. But it is not relatable, naturalistic, right. conversational comedy. You know, it's huge, yeah. crazy gags and very specifically, like, written and staged bits. Right. You know? And very um, smart. Can I just give you credit, too, for putting an uh, uh, actor in there, lesser known, named Kevin Hart? Oh, yeah. One. Kevin Hart was in for and a year old version. <laughs> the dude, Jerry, I want to say his name right, Jerry Bednar. Jerry Bednar, oh, yeah, he's funny, the too. The East Indian guy who just stopped oh, everything. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he okay? He is okay. Wait, what happened? <laughs> the other guy, what not happened? okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I was like, wait, no, I didn't know. Jerry's fine. Jerry's the one that was working in the store that was yes. like kept saying nasty shit. Yes. Yeah. Right. What's funny about him? I is got he, him mixed he, up with, with the other guy. Uh, not the other okay. guy who yes. might still be in jail. I think oh. he is in jail. Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. He's making sure. He making sure. No. Murder, Jerry's great. I think. Yeah. Kevin Hart was great. Attempted. <laughs> oh, attempted. <laughs> he didn't succeed. <laughs> no. Damn. Damn. Oh, not damn. damn. I just edit, damn. Edit, it's edit, a shame edit, that edit, happened because murder is bad, and I do not like murder. You know the conversations gone south when you have to explain that your feeling is murder is bad. <laughs> Let me just clarify: murder is bad. <laughs> so, okay, succeed. He what didn't I, succeed. What I want to ask is: when you got the pitch, when you got the pitch for Forty Year Old Virgin, yeah. No, I'm sorry. When you got the pitch for Knocked Up. Yes. How was it pitched to you so that you wouldn't take it personal? personally? Yeah. <laughs> because the thing is, because yeah. the underhand tone of what Knocked Up really is, is we're going to pair this hot girl yeah. with, like, you. I told, It's something. It's <laughs> and, a joke I was... It's but a, I appreciate yes, you because <laughs> you... I, I was in on the joke. Right. That's the thing. How do you not take well, it personal? I, I think... And what I always... I was actually thinking, of the, like, one of the first other pieces of advice a stand-up comic gave me when I was, like, 13 was, like, whatever he... What's funny is this stand-up comic looked exactly like Garth from Wayne's World. Like, he was, like, a super <laughs> skinny dude with long blonde hair and glasses. And he was, like, whatever... He's, like, you have to let the audience know that you are self-aware or they'll be uncomfortable. And he's like, so if there's something about you that reads very obviously, like, don't ignore that thing. Like, let them know you are more aware of it than they could ever imagine. And he was like, he's like, my whole opening five minutes is about that I look like Garth. Like, I fucking get it. And so I was always aware that 
I came across as like a schlubby kind of stonery loser. And I was not. I wasn't in any way self-conscious about representing myself like that because I knew I was not that. That's what I'm I saying. Was, you got super yes, confident to do that. I was highly productive. I, I – could date women like right. that that were that were well out of my league <laughs> on a physical <laughs> level. Um, I I like I I had a job. I was gain. I had a nice apartment. I had a nice car. Like I, I I was like at that point like getting successful. You know, so it, it was not. It was funny to me. And I remember Judd, we kept pitching these like crazy movies, me and I, and we were trying to make Pineapple Express. We're like, want to make a big action movie? And he was like that. It, like he's like, you first just have to make something that like establishes. Who Voice. you are in the most like normal, relatable type of setting, mm-hmm. and he just said it conversationally one day. It was literally like 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 if you got a girl pregnant on the first date or something. Like that's the type of movie we should make. And it was one of those things where it was like, oh, we actually could. That's actually a really good idea. What would that be like? Like, um, and him and his wife had got pregnant very early on in their relationship, and. I think had to make some quick decisions as to whether right. or not they were going to kind of stay together and give it a go, you know, um, oh. uh, or, or just or, or what the just what the dynamics of the relationship were going to be. You right. know what I mean? I think they weren't planning on having a kid at that time, uh, from my understanding. Right. <laughs> Shout <laughs> what, out to Leslie Mann. No, she's the shit. Yes, exactly. She is. Uh, Leslie's great. She's and, the and, shit. Yeah, very funny. And <laughs> yeah. and so it, it was. Uh, yeah. So it was personal. It was personal to me because, and I think the way that we were able to represent my living situation, especially. Was highly personal to me, and all the roommates and um, and all those guys were actually my friends, and I actually had lived with almost all of them at one point or another, and so like it, it did seem like I really yeah I, yeah I was totally happy with it and thought I would be funny with it, you know. Um, and there was a thing where I was just I remember being like, oh, I can just make this guy like worse and worse and worse, and like <laughs> like just dumber and dumber and dumber, and it's almost like the more inappropriate, like the worst thing I could say on a date almost is like the funnier the whole movie. Uh, becomes so yeah <laughs> wow okay did you and Catherine Heigl ever circle back and become besties uh no we've run into each other though. no uh, but yeah I mean, nope. I've no yeah I, I, I wish her the best we'll skip that okay. <laughs> I'm waiting for this at the end That's yeah <laughs> all right y'all you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. So you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to 
bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Well, I mean, okay. Well, I guess I'll ask. Okay. You don't have to. (laughs) No, no, no. It's not that. I'm just saying that is there ever a fear? Okay. I go to 30 Rock University. Yeah. So... And all that entails, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm in in the eye of the storm. Of, yeah, Thirty Rock really is. It's it's a university. It's SNL. It's a big giant campus. It's and the cathedral to which comedy, entertainment yes. is built. <laughs> so when you're, how hard is it, in your opinion, how hard is it for women to get a seat at the table? Uh, Insanely hard. Way harder. And in light of what's happening now and how comedy sort of has to re-examine itself and what was cool in 2006 might get a raised eyebrow now. Yeah. How has that What's cool in 2018 would get a raised (laughs) eyebrow now. Right. Um, Yeah, I mean. So how does that affect not... Not how does it affect your world, but how does it affect the creative process, the fraternity process? Yeah, where's the woman in this in the team? Uh, we have women on our team. That we can we, see. Um, that we can see. That no, you I know you do. Yeah. But um, are, are you more, or is it the climate right now in Hollywood? Are they super aware of it now? Or it's they like, say they are, but I don't think a lot has changed. And if you look at the movies that come out, almost all of them are made by white dudes. Like, same. you know, like it's very, like not that, the actual like decision to spend hundreds of millions of dollars in a new social direction has mm-hmm. not happened I don't think I think people are talking about it and it's like a topic of conversation that's like fun for people to say and I think there's they're like inching towards that but have I seen like oh all of a sudden if you look at the slate of every major studio and they're all more equally distributed between men and women no that's not the case at all I'm only, you know? I'm only not asking. to mention women usually uh, means white women but that's uh, the whole yeah, thing no 100% and, and, and I think that that but I think for us I think we're lucky with comedy for us because we never like peddled in that I don't think like we never peddled in something that I would have considered to be like 
you know, I think our comedy, like, I, I'm never complaining that, like, about, like, people being PC or, like, we can't say the stuff mm-hmm. that we want to be able to say. Like, to me, that is, like, not an issue. And, like, you're either the type of person that, like, you want your, you know, your work reflects who you are, mm-hmm. no matter what. And so if you have your sensibilities trying to be in the right place at any given moment, then your work will reflect that. And I've found myself not really having to defend that much of what I've done in the moment that it has come out. Uh, okay. I acknowledge that, again, a week later you look back and you're like, whoa, that's aged poorly sometimes, you right. know? Um like, yeah, I think there's jokes in Sausage Party that, like, 24 hours after it came out were inappropriate. Um, and so, yeah. like, yeah, maybe 24 hours movie. before it came out. But uh, I think that, you know, we we try not to be off- offensive. We try not to exclude people in our work. We, we try to be inclusive as possible. And, and, and we ourselves are those types of people. So it isn't this, like, chore to mm-hmm. weave that into our work. Um, and so well, I just know that people now yeah. are hyper aware that that has to happen or that has to be a thing. Whereas, you know, before you don't think like, okay, am I being inclusive? Am I offending this group or that group? I think it's I something know that, that comedy is yeah, just. I think it's something we've trying to be aware of for the last few years. And I think Neighbors is the first movie that we really made really trying to go into it, acknowledging that traditionally, especially that type of relationship that me and Rose, like a husband-wife relationship in a movie is like Mm -hmm. always done a certain way and we had to not do that. And like it's always based on the fact that they hate each other and that they're not happy and that there's all this conflict in their relationship and Mm -hmm. that she's fucking lame most of the time and that like he's like the carefree fun one and she's like the uptight. And like so that was I think the and it was before all this, you know, all, all the current, you know, kind of revelations that are happening. But even then we were like, just how do we not do this in a lame way, you know? Um, and how do we – and also, like, we want the actors in the movie to be proud and happy with <laughs> their work. And right. I think as someone who is both an actor and a writer and a director and a producer, like, I – I I understand what all those jobs entail and I understand what it takes to make all the people doing those jobs feel like they're really doing something that they can be proud of and, and happy with. And that's something that was just started to become very important when I started to realize like, oh, like if we cast Rose Byrne in this role, we have to make it good and funny. And we have to make her excited to come into work every day. And we have to make it that when she leaves work at the end of the day, she really felt like she was as funny as anyone else and given the opportunity to be as funny as anyone else. So wait. Not like she was told, like, you tell us to shut up as we say funny shit over here. You know what I mean? Um, How does that work? Okay, so how does that work? Like, break it down like we're in third grade. Yeah. All right, so if you're heading a project. Yeah. Um, and you have to write for a specific character that you might not really have put a lot of effort or, or yeah. you know, like what's their background and First of all, when you write for a character or write for a movie, does each character have to have their own bio in your mind? Like to some degree, I think like backstory. Backstory, yeah, I think to some degree. I think it's it, it depends on how. In like, what's funny is like in this is the end. Like, none of us really have any backstory. <laughs> like, right. we're kind of just who you assume we are. Yeah. And you slowly, it, it, and the emotional conflicts are very of the moment. It's based on 
you know, the world you, you're seeing it play out in real time, right. basically. So, um, but in general, yes, like some sense of backstory is is helpful, and and the more you can think of, the more it's probably good. But for I think for something like Neighbors, the conversations were literally like, how do we create a plot and a flow of events? where that isn't contingent on these two characters having conflict with one another and instead is contingent on these two characters really being on the same team as one another. And right away that allowed both characters to be outrageous and silly and stupid and and neither one was trying to control the other. If anything, they were always like encouraging the other to do stupider and stupider shit kind of. Right. Um, and so it's more understanding the dynamics going in and what the result that will produce. So it's like if we go into the movie with this type of dynamic, the result will be this. And if we go into it with this type of dynamic, the result will be this. And so that's something we were aware of is like if we want the result to be this, the dynamic has to be very specific going into it, you know, um, and that that's what we tried to do. Yeah. So kind of a three-part question. Yeah. All right. Now, now in your career, uh, what is your – preference would you rather lean towards directing a project yeah or writing a project yeah to give to someone else to direct or uh what i would just say blind job yeah as in doing a project that you neither had no directing or no uh, hand in writing it um I do that less and less. Like I, I don't act in a lot of other people's movies. So I don't get, rather... I, I don't get asked to act in a lot of other people's <laughs> movies. But it happens oh, you from time to time. Vehicles yeah, no, um, the Lion King. That's yes, not exactly. true. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it happens, and and I do do it sometimes. I think. What I'm, what I really enjoy is writing something with the hopes that I will direct it and act in it, which has happened. You want to wear all three hats? Yeah. Isn't like, that a nightmare? No, it's it's almost. And a weird thing we've also found is, in some ways, the more control we have over something and the more jobs we are filling, the less stressful it ultimately is. Because most of our stress comes from fear that other people are going to fuck our shit up. Like, and so, as long that. as we are controlling it, I'm not that worried. I'm more worried. Is the director going to ruin this thing? You so know that leads I mean? to this leads to Green what have you learned? What, yeah. what have you what have you learned? Yeah. About actually, I want to do two. What have you learned about Green Hornet yeah. and The Simpsons? Which I think for a comedy writer is sort of like this this honor of yeah. Wow, I'm I'm doing this. I'm Writing controlling a, a Simpsons episode. Yeah. So what lessons have you learned in those two instances that uh, you would have changed? Um, now or made you wiser? Yeah, I mean, Green Hornet was, and I'm not a, a no, 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 a I, comic I, head. No, so. yeah, it, it's not really like. I think a few things when I look back at that. <laughs> uh, one is I really overestimated like our control at that point in our careers. Like I think that at that point we had kind of always been able to do whatever we wanted, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I didn't predict how much a bigger budget like but all the movies we'd made at that point were like 20 30 million dollars and green hornet was like 120 million dollars and i didn't quite predict what that 100 million dollars would do to the process and how before i would we literally wouldn't talk to the studio ever all of a sudden we were having meetings where we go through like every page of the script basically and how like destructive that was to the, the process. process and how no money no problems yeah and like the biggest 
the biggest thing was, was like, we had an idea going into it that was slowly, like, completely, you know, deconstructed and, and built into something else. And it's one of those things that happened so slowly that, like... So they took your product yes. and then said, well, we need to change this to make this that. Exactly. What if we did this? Oh, we need a big actor for this role. And what about this? And we need this. And, like... But then with Gondry directing... Yeah. Whom I thought... Would be good. I think what he... And I've seen him since then. Like, I think what he didn't predict also was the scope of it and how and that's what because i think with artists and you probably can relate to this like i think the more you do your craft or whatever the more you realize it's not only what you are doing but it is how you are doing it like if you're a painter you not only want to choose what to paint you want to choose what paint you use and you want to make your own canvas maybe and you want to choose where you painted and all this stuff you know what i mean um but with film, it's sometimes that gets wrestled away from you, where it's like, here's the shot I want, and here's how I think we should do it. And they'll be like, nope, too expensive. Here's how you're going to do it. And, and, that, and that ruins the process, especially when you have a director like Gondry. And what I realize, I think what he realizes, like his whole magic is not only in what he's doing. It's how he's doing it. Right. It's the materials used, literally. Um, and that did not always apply to this scope of filmmaking basically and uh and it was just like uh an inorganic combination of of elements and, and then there was a point i think where you're just kind of like this seems like it's going poorly i slept terribly throughout so the whole you, thing you felt you felt even yeah, during the process like this might not turn yes, out good for sure they was like because it was rocky for like the year leading up to it and there was a point and this was also something I would probably do differently now like we had just spent years working on it and there's a moment where you're like do we stop or just keep going because like after years it was it felt weird to just stop and you were it was just like I think we just have to see this through like and and that is something that I probably wouldn't do now honestly I think after that experience I would just be like let's just pull the plug and maybe we all wasted three years but maybe we all learned a lot in that three years and have some good experiences but I think like that's something at the time that I wasn't prepared to do which was just say like you know what like let's not fucking do this you know so um, my parallel question to you is okay now, as a person that's been doing what I've been doing, at least what I'm known for, uh, 25-plus years, years um, you know, we kind of had this discussion, like, are we sabotaging ourselves by not, like, wanting to go to bigger houses? Yeah. Like, we're now in the place where it's like, hey, you guys do know that we could book a night at blah, 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 yeah, yeah. if you guys had the album time, whatever. And my immediate thing was fear. Like, no, yeah. I don't want to play you know, 17,000, da, da, da. Because I feel like my zone has always been in smaller theaters. Yeah. So for you, is is a nine-figure budget sort of like a dragnet horns? Dun, 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 like, <laughs> it's like... Like, would you ch- attempt to really go big, or do you feel that, you know, when you do lower-budget stuff, then... I think now... In order, we're writing a movie now that would be expensive, uh, like a pretty expensive movie. Um, not quite Green Hornet, but I mean, expensive. like a popcorn film. Like yes, a, but like a summer uh, of twenty twenty one. Yeah, but like, but we're really trying to make it have all the stuff that we like out of movies. But uh, we're trying to make like it, it, it's a more, it's a still like an R rated, <laughs> like action comedy basically. But um, we're 
the the types of movies that are in theaters have changed, and I think that's something that we're also aware of. Is we like a lot of what are it's inter- like I th- we work backwards to some degree from like audience reaction, and we go to movies and we sit in theaters and we you know what makes people cheer and what makes people laugh and what makes people shocked and what makes people scared. And that changes over the course of years, you know, Um, like the things, you know, there's some movies that have come out that 10 years ago got a certain reaction in theaters and that same thing would not seem (laughs) very exciting by today's standards. That's shocking by today's standards. And so we are trying to evolve. We instinctually must evolve with the climate and, and we like making movies for theaters and we creatively think backwards a lot from what would make a theater full of people have like this experience. Like what would make a theater full of people be on edge and then excited and then laughing and then sad and, and, and in or, but the theater part is the tricky part because a lot of movies like super bad today, for example, probably wouldn't be in theaters. It'd be hard to get it in theaters. You know what I mean? Knocked up even would more likely be a Netflix movie really? today. It's just people talking in rooms. Like there's no, you know, there's no big action in it. There's no, like, it's literally people sitting and talking for two hours, you know? Um, like we go to Cirque du Soleil. Well, I think organically it wouldn't happen, but I mean, you got to admit that you're coming from the canon of the Aptown Aptown ma- Mafia. Yeah. So even by six degrees of separation, like you know, you would you personally would have to It'd release be a like sell. you would I I would think you would have to release eight bona fide below 10 Rotten Tomato flops in a row before I'm like, nah, I ain't seeing Seth Rogen. You know? Well, not all our movies do well. I mean, like... But even then, I'm, I'm aware yeah. of it. Like, no, it's true. There's still... Yeah. There's still some thing where it's like, oh, you're in it. It's this out there. This might be an I'll event. It might be good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's out there, but it, it's still like... Um, it, it, it's harder to get movies in theaters and it's harder to compete for the cultural attention. Like that, I think, and that to us is very important also is we like it when we make, we've seen that in the past we've made movies that like work their way into culture and they're referenced in rap songs and in mm-hmm. other movies and on TV shows and we like that. Like we, and that's not always a one-to-one thing with like success. It's just, you know, it's something that only happens, though, really with movies that are in theaters. Like, movies on Netflix it's are just streaming movies. It's much harder for them to capture a piece of the culture. And a movie like Mid-90s, which was seen probably by one iota, the amount of people that sees the average Netflix that, movie, captured the cultural attention mm-hmm. in a way that very few Netflix movies do because it was in theaters. And when people saw it, they turned their phone off for two hours and they sat in a dark room and they actually watched, watched it. it. Yeah. And you don't do that with Netflix movies and <laughs> I think that is going to become when I look at why I want movies in theaters that is it like but that's I, not all the way true though Steph I was going to tell you like some certain movies command you to turn off the lights watch watch like when the Irishman was one of those this season Dolomite yeah. was one of those seasons it just depends but I think for on some pe- I think for some people they choose to watch but not every way. friend's going to have De Niro Pacino no no, no. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing with yeah. Dolomite and there are certain events like Stranger a, Things and, and yeah. there's a million people watching the Irishman like as they're on Twitter, yeah. you know that's what I mean? And, and if it's that's in the theater, you don't even have that, that option. That's like, right. you have to watch it. And I think what you I saw it in the theater. Me too. I didn't want to watch it. Me too. I, exactly. On Netflix. Uh, yeah, and I loved yeah, I it. And I think when you put a movie in the theater, you're telling 
culturally you are saying like this is worth you putting your phone in your pocket for two hours. Right. Like and you're asking people to do that. And that's that a big is ask, the, it, it is a big <laughs> ask. And I think that to that end, that's why we're writing a very expensive, big, fun action Marvel movie. Because Marvel movies demand that from you. Because we understand yeah. what we're asking is not a light ask. We're asking you to give up your addiction for two hours. <laughs> and, and, and in order to do that, we have to repay you with something that is worthy of that. So can you I ask an I mean? Apatow Mafia question then? For that reason, I'm going to go back to something that I wanted to ask you guys when y'all were having the back and forth. Do y'all ever consider, because as a woman of color, being a fan of what you guys do, I love it. Wouldn't change it, blah, blah, blah. However, time to change it, and not for nothing. I would be curious to see how a woman of color would be written into some of these situations, right? Because when you look at the majority of the movies that you guys do... Like you said, I know you introduced the Rose Byrne situation, but not really. So have y'all started considering maybe? Yes. Uh, maybe the next thing. Maybe I don't know yet, but you're working <laughs> on something. Yes, very much. I mean, it is it is a prevalent topic of conversation. But not on which... purpose. I don't want y'all to do it just because, oh, my God, everybody's demanding that we have a woman and then we have to have a woman of color. But just because you see that, hey, wait a minute, that would be funny to get that perspective in this storyline. No, a hundred percent. And like, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that, yeah, I mean, the more perspectives and the more different people you have working on your material, uh, the better it all is. Uh, yeah, I mean, we produce this show, uh, Black Monday, with Don Cheadle and Regina. Oh yeah, Hall. love that and, show. Yeah, and uh, got rid of my and, Showtime, but damn, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's great. And, <laughs> and I, the preacher, and, yeah, so, and know? we've just seen, and and it is and preacher exactly. And yeah. We've seen it's very rewarding, and 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 it and people get great. You know, it, it, the more representation, the better. I would never argue otherwise. And, but I want to see you. Like, I got, yeah. I love the Don Cheeto and the Regina Hall. But I was like, man, I want to see. That'd be great. Yeah. I, I'm in. <laughs> okay. So in hindsight, the, like, I was paying attention to it, but I don't recall. I remember the email fallouts with Sony. But yeah. It, oh, the interview. With the interview. <laughs> yeah. Did, was it worth it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Because it was crazy. And like, and it, was there much damage? And it was damage? worth it because nothing. Was there real damage? No, yeah, what did we to, see? Not to us. Like, other people, I mean, talk about sexism. Like, the only real person to be horribly damaged by it was Amy In Pascal. Pascal yeah. uh. um, her boss. Michael Linton, he wasn't damaged, <laughs> but right. but she was terribly damaged. Um, Wait, just correct uh, me if I'm wrong. the the fallout the the fallout yeah. with the dam with the interview was if you guys release this. Will hack into your emails and then Kim Jong Un was no, coming. No, they, they eventually they had her. They had already hacked into Sony and they eventually threatened to like bomb movie theaters wow. that played the movie, basically. Yeah, right, right, right. And that's why they pulled. Was it. that <laughs> okay? So it was released stream, right? Yes, or was it Google Play? I've Google seen it. Released it. I just forgot where Go- I saw Google it. Google released it and then Netflix released it all within like uh, Google released it actually the day it was supposed to come out in theaters and then Netflix uh, released it two weeks later. Ah, okay. And um, again, was it was it worth it? Uh, <laughs> it was. I, I mean, publicity, yeah, it, right? It, it was all, like all that publicity was. It great. was a really interesting exercise. Like I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> the result of which is still fascinating, and I don't even. When you say is it worth it, I don't even. I'm not even sure anyone knows what the fuck actually happened. Like and there was a big article in the Hollywood Reporter the other day that was like, "What really happened in the Sony hack?" And you read the article, and you're just like, "There's no yeah, answer here. <laughs> what happened? I don't know what happened. People don't 
they're not sure North Korea did it. They don't like no people. Some That's people think saying. they did. I, some I, people I, think they didn't. Uh, and so like it, it, it's hard to it's hard to retrospectively gain a lot of insight from something where you honestly aren't even sure what the fuck happened. Like as a movie, honestly, to me the the most the biggest bummer is that the movie got pretty shitty reviews, and that doesn't happen to us that often. And that that bummed me out. Like honestly, yeah, it was like for us like pretty bad. And so that to me was the thing that if I look back and could change something, I'd be like, oh, I wish the second act had like a better set piece in it, and I wish like we rounded out the third act more emotionally. But I, I but like because that was the stuff that was in my control. You know what I mean? Like the actual product, the film was the thing we were in control of, and. What I'm, yeah, what I don't love is that it just wasn't received as well as our other movies. <laughs> it just hit me, and I know we're going to wind up pretty soon, but uh, it just hit me that you're one of the cameos in one of Yauk's last yeah. pieces. Yes. Uh, make some noise. I'm about to call it Fight for You Right too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make that, some noise was the name of the song. Noise. That was a video. But, yeah, yeah there, there was an extended version that was called Fight for You Right Revisited. So how did that, how was that pitched or come together or just... Oh man! Were you guys aware at the time what his condition was, and this was sort of like their swan song? Or? We kind of got that sense as we were shooting it. Like I, I knew he had been sick, but okay. I, there was kind of like the public word on the on the street was that he was getting better, you know. Right. Um, and then he just called me one day. I got a call from Adam. Oh, Yuck. cold call. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, the greatest fucking phone call you could <laughs> ever get. I was a huge BC Boys fan my whole life. Like, um, I'd met him once or twice before at like South by Southwest, I think. And yeah, and he was just like, we're making a music video and I want you to be Mike D. Um, wow. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was fucking great. And then and we shot that video for three days, which is crazy for a music video. And and every famous person ever was in. I think it was like halfway through day two where I was like, oh, this is like a, kind of like a big last hurrah. A swan song, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then it got kind of sad and bittersweet, but was also fun. And like when, when I look back and think of was like, he was just telling, like, it was literally like we were all his, like, G.I. Joe toys and he was just <laughs> playing with us. And it was like, for your birthday, here's all your favorite comedians and they'll do whatever the fuck you <laughs> tell them to do for three days straight on this New York City back lot. And, like, that's literally, like, he would just be laughing. Be like, Daddy, kick the store in. Seth, throw this beer at him. You guys, dance on the cop car. And, like, and he would just be, like, laughing his ass off as we were just like, what, like, there was no questions. <laughs> there was. It was nice. never like, why would I do that? It was just like, sure, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever the fuck you want, we're in. And like, we and it started to kind of imitate the video itself because we were there all the time, me and Danny and Elijah, who were the Beastie Boys, and then other cameos would come in for like a couple hours, and we were like in this mindset. It was like crazy. We were just like so geared to just do whatever we were told to do with any, like if they were just like body slam Laura Dern, I was like, all right. Like, <laughs> like, there was like no, like I was just like in this like state of like, I'll just do whatever the fuck this guy tells me. Uh, that's what we're here for and you could see people would come in and be like this is crazy like what are you guys doing in here this is like you've you've gone nuts and that really like we were just spraying beer a fake beer on everyone's faces and like throwing like we yeah it was it was a mad danny mcbride must be like 
he writes too, correct? Yeah, he writes uh, Eastbound and Down and The Righteous Gemstones. Right, so uh, yeah. is one he, of my he must be like awesome to work. In my mind, yes. everybody who was in This Is The End, in a way, <laughs> they do their own writing. But who is like awesome to write with that blows your mind and you just like, the fuck you come up with that shit? They're all great They're- in their own ways. Like, um, yeah, like Danny, Jonah is truly the one like on set is like it's pretty remarkable to watch. Like he's he he's like he gets like very locked in and is like it's like a pretty miraculous thing from time to time. Danny is very loose and 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 biting and like he's the comedian that kind of the other comedians are a little afraid to improvise with <laughs> yeah, because why? like because he hurts yeah because so he it, is who he is it, in that movie but he's very sweet and nice but it, it was like I saw him once yeah. and, and opted not to say what's up to him because <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like yeah. oh he don't no, know me no, uh, yeah, he I'm was, out. You know, he's very sweet he's such a nice dude and like. Not and what's it is one of those funny things where like he created those characters as a way to make fun of the guys he didn't like growing up, basically. Oh. And now that is who he is synonymous <laughs> with, and his biggest fan base is probably wow. those guys. exactly yes. people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a bummer. Wait, for him. speaking of yeah. videos, how how did oh, Kanye contact you to do uh, Bound? He, well, he Wait. no, or I, you he did it on your own. We just or? did it on our own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then he Wait, did. Really? Yes. And then he did ask. So us, he just released it. It was a no, Saturday we released last it. Right? He did it. No, we it just wasn't? did it. He released his video, and literally within an hour of seeing it, All I right. was like, "We're recreating this." <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and we had ours up like twenty-four hours later. Like it was. You so know what it was? Fast. I'd never seen Kanye's version. Oh, that's oh. funny. You just saw ours. Fun fact: <laughs> I never seen. Kanye West video. Yo! Ooh. Wait, 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 time out. It's okay, I've never seen Fallon all the way through. I saw... <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. Wait, wait, wait. 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 Wow. That's so much worse. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't wait, mean wait. it. It was a joke. You... <laughs> you... you Wait, what, what's, what's that Pacino film? Okay, I'm reloaded. Uh, <laughs> what's that film? Oh. Uh, not Donnie, uh, Roscoe. Scarface. Carlito's Way. Carlito's oh, Way. Yeah, 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 yeah. You remember the end of Carlito's Way when you think they're going to get away with it? It's like, hey, Benny. you go over here. No, you go yeah. over here. And then Benny. Benny you Blanco from Benny, the Bronx. You just Benny Blanco, Blanco from the Bronx. Yeah. Thank you. you came I'm, in sorry. I'm shot, sorry. He stabbed you with the I'm line. I'm so sorry. No, I, I'm sorry. I've, I've seen the college dropout ones, but I haven't seen post that. No, but he did ask us to come do it at his wedding. Uh, wow. I'm me, sorry, me what? Franco, yeah. I don't understand how he you He called us that. and was like, will you come do that wow. at my wedding? And <laughs> Did and you then, do it? Well, no, like, it was one of those things where, like, throughout the conversation... I like. You thought he was trying to troll Willed me. him to realize how uncomfortable it would be, yeah. which he slowly did. <laughs> he was Mr. Showing yeah, like, up. And I was just like, so we're just up there. And, and then he's just like, yeah. he's like, as I say this, I realize how fucking uncomfortable it would be. He's like, it would be funny for 10 seconds, but he's like, I'm asking you to fly to Versailles for like literally 10 seconds of shit. Like, he's like, ah, we shouldn't do it, but. <laughs> So, I mean, um, I mean, you you lived uh, you lived a charmed sort of bucket listy life. Yeah, I want to know: Did a project ever get away from you that you had your eyes on that you wish you that did? I wish we did? Um, like you had a chance to no write or direct blah blah blah. But there yeah. are things like 
No. I mean, yeah. Uh, Did a Lin-Manuel come up to you? Yeah, yeah I have exactly. this project called Hamilton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from me, kid. No. Uh, there are things that, like, that we, that came across our desk that then became very successful, but I don't think when I look like, oh, like, should we have really, like, spent, like, two years making, like, you know, like, Hobbs and Shaw or something like no. that? <laughs> like, 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 I don't know. Like, maybe it would have been fun. Wait, but, that was offered to you? or Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was, like, outwardly offered, but there was a point where it's like, come in. You want to meet on the Hobbs and Shaw movies? Like, like Deadpool, maybe, years ago. Like, yeah. very long time I ago. I want to see you around. But, like, I think that it's not... It just wasn't our thing, you know what I mean? Like, we weren't, like, uh, the idea of, like, plugging in, I think that's what Green Hornet scared us off of more than anything, was, like, plugging into this, like... Saying yes to everything. Yeah, exactly. And plugging into, like, an IP that is, like, very... uh, Already established. Yeah, already established and having to, like, work within that. So, like, like, and working with, like, a big company is, like, just scary. Like, working with, like, a Marvel or, you know, like... And not to say we wouldn't do it. It's just it's just scary, you know? And and I think... And making, like, a friend... Yeah, like, making, like, a Hobbs and Shaw-type movie where it's just, like, this movie's gonna get made no matter what. We're just the people, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, serving you the dish. Well, you the know? silver lining of Green Hornet is that you got your health in check. Yes, and I started together. working out. <laughs> I got, yeah, no, that was And great. you maintained it. I did so. pretty well. Yeah, no, it, it was a lot of good, and we learned, like, so much. Like, we, that movie was made in a way movies aren't made anymore. Like, we built everything. It was practical effects. It was visual effects. There was there was huge stunt teams. There was like literally the stunt team that did Indiana Jones did the movie. Like we got to learn from these like amazing people and and Gondry himself was someone who was amazing to learn from. And even though the result was debatable, like mm-hmm. I think very few experiences made us understand the production process and filmmaking in general. Uh, more than that movie because it was as logistically complicated a movie as as exists in the world and we had like a front row seat to every step of the process so that was really interesting yeah wow Wish so, it made a better movie. <laughs> hey, Seth, can I, can I ask you a stoner question real yeah, quick? Because I remember famously listening to you on Stern one day, and he was asking you about working out and working out why you were smoking. And you were like, yeah, I'll take a couple totes. Do you do that? Yeah. Oh, I, wow. I I've done it, and it's a little I weird. I still queen when I do everything. So this is what I want to know. Right. So number one, I want you to give advice to young stoners because I think you have to graduate to that level. Yeah. And I wanted to know when you got to the point where you knew that you could do everything stone. Yeah. Because that's that's like next level. Um, it takes a while. Yeah. Tell the babies. I, I try to tell them like, don't go to school. And by babies, school. you mean me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't yeah, push it. Like I getting high is an event new. for me. I like, think the thing most people. I, I'm always telling people to smoke a little bit of weed, like to take one hit of weed. That's what, like, I, I just, I was just with David Chegg on his uh, Netflix show, and like, mm-hmm. we went around, smoked weed all day, and I just the whole time was like, one little tiny hit, and that'll get oh. you going for, you'll be fine. And like, like or set a timer. Take one hit, and then see how you feel in 20 minutes. Ooh, and then hard. maybe have another hit. But like, oh. most people just smoke way too much weed, and who don't smoke a lot of weed, and weed is super strong, yeah. and one hit is enough, yeah. literally. Um, and, uh, Got any strange I'm preferences? Also, I'm also a reactor. Yeah, did yeah. you, and why Amir, is do, that? You, do you what is it? smoke sativa? I'm a, yeah, I, well, I prefer, uh, was it hybrid? Indica? Uh, hybrid? hybrid yeah. I'm like so new. I'm literally like seven months into this. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we've been trying for thirty years. Yeah, but but the thing is, when I do it, it always hits me at the most inopportune moment. Like I'll do it. All right, one time I did it 
at night. Yeah. And it felt a little weird, like, oh, God, let me just sit down and, and relax. I fell asleep, right? Yep. That and woke woke up in the morning. It was like, oh damn, I didn't get high. That was a waste. <laughs> and then yeah, you twenty felt minutes, high? and then twenty minutes into my day, right when I got on the drum set at Fallon, you felt all high. Of this, oh Whoa. shit! Um, from the night before. That's weird. Yes. Yeah, that is that weird. Is weird. Like, like I, I, I have a five-hour. Well, see, I, I do yeah. edibles. I don't. I don't smoke. So that's oh, why. See, that's, that's why. why. Yeah. Edibles. Edibles are, yeah. edibles are uh, un. Are you wild. Know, I do edible. I, I do edibles very sparingly because they're wildly unpredictable yep. like that. Like they're oh. uh, they're hard to it's hard to gauge. Time them. Yeah, you and know, hard to get the yeah, dosage right too. Yeah, it's hard to get the dosage right. It's hard to time them. Sometimes it depends on what. Sometimes they take an hour to kick in. Sometimes they take two hours to kick in. Depends Mine on what you ate that day. Five hours. To kick you in. need yeah, to take exactly. note of the stoners around you. Do you ever see Steve eating his weed? <laughs> if you eat your weed, there's none left to smoke. Yeah. Where's <laughs> 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 my? Oh, I'm sorry. Song. Forgive me. <laughs> Forgot. I'll do it again. My 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 final question yeah. is. Uh, Oftentimes, like right now, I'm watching the morning show, yeah. which is notably everyone I've known them. I knew them from the well, funny world, or the you comedy got... world. But yeah, they're doing drama. Like, would you consider? Because you did Steve Jobs, correct? Uh huh. The movie. Yep. No, I did Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? What was that experience Technical. like? Technical. <laughs> um, would you want to further explore into the world of, of drama? Yeah. Um, I would... And what role are you, what is your like, your fantasy thing that you haven't done yet that you really want to do? We're writing that. I mean, that, that's what's nice about being able to write your own movies is like I've no one to blame but myself for <laughs> if, if my <laughs> career seems limited in scope as an actor. Like, um, yeah, I mean, what uh, the thing we're working on now, I'm obsessed with like Buster Keaton and Jackie Chan. And so like I've always wanted to make like a highly physical like action movie like uh, or action comedy, like something that is – almost entirely predicated on action and not a lot of talking at all. And that has just always been something that I always enjoy shooting that type of stuff. Um, and so that's something that we want to do. And that's what we're working like Mr. on Bean? right now. Is that like something? Yeah, kind of like a really violent Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, boy. All right. Well, you know, Seth, we really thank you. Damn, we didn't even get to your, your hip-hop. It's okay. Roots. I'll come back. We'll, we'll just assume that you like hip hop. I love it. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, we really want to thank you for coming yes, here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Thank Yay. you for the preacher too. Thank you. I love that thank show. You. Yes, on behalf of uh, Sugar Steve and Unpaid Bill and Boss Bill and Laie and Fonte, <laughs> this is Questlove. You've been listening to Questlove Supreme. Thank you very much, Seth. We will see you on the next go round. Peace, y'all. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. A little bit of weed. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs>
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.